of the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. After a little uh, hiatus, happy to see. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you very much to uh, my colleague, Sean Belisian, for sitting in a week ago. And uh, what's the latest? What's happening? Um, just preparing for this baby. You were asking me about a golf thing coming up mid-September. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, you're a little indisposed at yeah. that particular point in time. But you look good. You feel good? Feel good. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you and hubby uh, Ryan have the nursery all ready to go. Now we're just waiting on the little baby. We're, 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 uh, yeah. I can't believe it. It's so crazy. But, yeah, we're ready. The room's ready. Bassinet's ready. You know. Gifts uh, are ready. Does it seem like it's been eight months? Does it? No. Because it's fascinating being on the outside looking in how quickly time has gone because you're just about there, darling. I know. I have a couple weeks. It's crazy. Am I ready? I don't know. (laughs) It's very exciting. Yeah. Let's talk about sports because you're making me nervous. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know what? Um, It was a big day for the kid uh, coming off vacation uh, out at Indianwood Golf and Country Club in Lake Orion, uh, the 2022 edition of the March of Dimes Golf Classic. Now, uh, this great radio station has been participating in that outing for a long time. Uh, Francis Q. Beckman, God rest his soul, uh, was on board for like 38 years, and now Guy Gordon has taken over. Doesn't matter who's running it. As it turns out, uh, the courtships group uh, at 11 under uh, wins the tiebreaker and wins the tournament. All right? Thank you very much for that. That's I a- am so ex- no. proud of you. No. Uh, our producer, who also produces the Guy Gordon extravaganza, Nick Roddy, uh, witness the festivities and uh, let the hating begin. Nicholas, has your uh, has your attitude improved at all since the last time I saw you? We're Uh-oh. looking to bring uh, Nick up. You're on mute. That's not a conspiracy. <laughs> Blake is uh, here, and Blake is trying to figure things out. We'll get to okay, Nick. We'll get there sooner rather than later. Uh, meanwhile, to kick things off. Uh, we'll just keep with tradition. And it's very, very bad news. Uh, the Tigers, in the process of participating in a doubleheader in the land of Cleves against the Guardians, they lost game one, 4-1. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, Jamie, it was the eighth loss in a row. The uh, Tigers have lost 11 of their last 12. It's over. Oh, man, it's so disappointing. So disappointing. They have the lowest slugging percentage in all of baseball, and they can't walk and even manufacture any runs. So, like, it's tough. It's a tough it's, watch. It has been for quite some time. And, again, uh, you bring expectation into it to get this season going, and there was plenty of it, to be honest with you, and um, never found themselves. And I've heard some very distressing information from inside the Tigers clubhouse, such as uh, pretty much every player on the team is playing for their next contract. Well, that there really is no team cohesion, and uh, that's that's not good. You can imagine it's tough in that clubhouse after all of these losses. 
after how they're losing. Well, and then we find out a week ago uh, that they part ways with general manager Al Avila. Uh, Al had seven years to uh, show what he could do. And uh, his job was to assemble a winning ball club. Now, listen, there's realisms involved in this conversation. The injury situation this year for the Tigers, in particular, as it affected the starting rotation, was unlike anything I've ever seen. Correct. Some position players as well affected. Uh, But there was also some underachieving. Uh, Javi Baez, not to single anybody out. Um, But when you bring everything into the conversation, Chris Illich had to do what he had to do. And my hope is, and look, let's just be honest. You know, in that press conference, Chris seemed a bit scrambled. (laughs) Yes. A, a, A bit I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was like... It was disjointed at the very least. Yeah. And, you know, he is tasked now, and I'm sure he's got, you know, a group that is going to go on this search for the next Tigers general manager. Well, hopefully he has some baseball minds with him making this decision. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, somebody I have a great deal of respect for who's been on this program a few times, Lynn Henning. Uh, saw a tweet that Lynn posted that be ready. The guy they bring in to run this Tigers ball club is going to clean house. Now, okay. there are those <laughs> who are under the impression that that's exactly what needs to be done. But what does that mean? It means the beginning of another rebuild. Well, the guy that comes in has to have his players, what he wants, his vision the players that are here are Al Avila's vision. And the young guys who came up, I mean, Green is a bright spot. He's a guy you build a franchise around. Right, so keep him. But Tarek Skubal's been good, too. I mean, there are pieces here. But the injury situation, some underachieving. They spent $217 million in the offseason to get what Got nothing got, in return. Which is nothing. They're right. 31 games under five hundred. I do know that A.J. Hinch wants to be involved, which I thought was a good sign. I forget where I heard him say that. Maybe it was on the radio or something. But that means he's here long term. If he wants to be involved in who might come in as the next general manager. And you raise a great point, partner, because I think there's a lot of folks that have nothing but respect for A.J. Hinch. Uh, I like his demeanor. I like the way he responds to very difficult questions. Uh, and there was a thought with things going sideways and, oh, they've gone sideways <laughs> that he would have interest in maybe going somewhere else, a better situation. Right. Um, so the fact that he wants to be a part of whatever it is, is going to happen with the next guy is good. Now, you know, Miguel Cabrera, 39 years old right now. Uh, I think he's going to be 40 in April, uh, said, look. I'm not feeling all that well. I'm not sure about next year. But then he came out and said he will play next year. Yeah, because his accountant gave him a call (laughs) and said, now let's review. You've got 32 million dollars, 32 million reasons to come back. Right. Don't walk away. If they have to push you out on that field in a gurney, you're going to be there. So, but what about a guy like Jamer Condelario? What about the Castros? Robbie Grossman? Uh hitting 205 
Spencer Torkelson. Miners. You know, don't. I'm not throwing everything in on Spencer Torkelson. I, I just think he's too talented. Was he overwhelmed at Maybe. the big league level? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Tucker Barnhart. What's he hitting? He's hitting 197. Austin Meadows. Everybody was so excited with that trade mm-hmm. for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Really a nice resume. Uh, he's been injured. Akil Badu, one of the bright spots of a year ago. Couldn't repeat that magical season. And Javi Baez. Look, dude, you're a very well-paid big league ball player. And some of the swings I've seen him take <laughs> at some outlandish pitches. I don't get it. He's having the worst season of his career. <laughs> like, who could have seen that coming? Uh, let's see here. 227, 11 home runs, 45 RBI. So, okay, listen to everything you're saying. Obviously, that clubhouse is in disarray. Uh, I don't think it's uh, anywhere near as close as what we were hoping for at this time of year. No. Because here we are, mid-August, and this is on the way other side of things everybody was hoping this season to go. And unfortunately with baseball, when you draft players, it's not like they're here that year or next year. It takes a while. And that's so unfortunate because fans want a winner. Well, now, uh, you know, we find ourselves uh, in a situation of... Okay, we've already been through misery for a while, baseball-wise, in this town. And it'll be very interesting to see, A, who they bring aboard to run this club, what his vision is, and how many, if you want to put it in percentages, of this Tigers roster will this individual feel as though can contribute to better days ahead. That's all on the horizon. And we have to wait and see who Chris Illich picks. But that press conference was very odd. Very odd. Crazy odd. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, we have reached uh, the time on the calendar, Jamie. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Lions in full effect. Football. Yeah. A little preseason that. activity. Uh, uh, the result against the uh, Falcons in the opener. Not what you were looking for. But eh, it's who preseason. Who cares about the score? <laughs> Yeah, uh, but there were some reasons to be optimistic, and and we've been saying, previewing the upcoming Lions season offensively, I think this team's going to be solid. I do too. I do. Defensively, we'll see. We've got that and more to talk about as we continue with the sports book here on seven sixty WJR. Welcome back into the sports book here on seven sixty WJR. Again, special thanks to our good friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Uh, last word, business very, very good for our friends there. Excellent. I loved it when I was there. Well, for them, uh, they are making their way into a very busy uh, part of the calendar. A little NFL football, a little uh, college football preseason AP Top 25 released. We'll talk about that. Let's go back to what uh, your Detroit Lions did in the preseason opener. They fell to the Atlanta Falcons 27-23. Uh, that has nothing to do with nothing. Um, what does matter is how the starters, regulars, if you will, 
uh, fared in their abbreviated time. You start with Jared Goff, and Jamie, what a great story it was. Uh, here's a guy that found out through Dan Campbell that he wasn't going to play in the preseason opener. And Jared Goff finds out that the number one offensive line was going to play. And the number one receiving room was going to play. So he says, wait a minute. I want to play. And he told Dan Campbell as much. Right. Now, let me tell you, as a former offensive lineman, certainly not at this level, but whatever, (laughs) you find out that your quarterback wants in when he's not scheduled to play. That means a lot to you. I think it was a great move. I mean, that front five hadn't played together, and they are finally going to play together this highly touted front offensive line. And Jared Goff's like, well, if they're playing, I'm playing. I think that's great for team morale. Well, and uh, Taylor Decker, among others, uh, made it uh, noted that, yeah, when you've got a quarterback that uh, is going to do, do that and say, look, I'm playing, uh, that means a lot. Uh, Jared Goff, by the way, 3 of 4, 47 yards, engineering that uh, scoring uh, drive right off the get-go. Uh, David Blau, 18 of 28, 141 yards. And then Tim Boyle, 9 of 16, 111 yards. Now, uh, this is where the plot thickens because uh, I can't help it. Uh, I was having a conversation when I first got here tonight with Ken Brown, and uh, he was talking about this Mason Rudolph deal, which is alleged in the Steel City, and you know a little something-something about that. Well, I just saw a Pittsburgh sports reporter tweeting about it, that Mason Rudolph could become a lion by the end of the week. So Interesting. Rudolph is better than Blau and Boyle. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're going to compare apples to apples, um, you know, I, I, I like David Blau. I mean, uh, he's a carryover from when we had the Lions and had a few nice conversations with him, and he knows what the deal is, and he's a team guy, and pretty much everything a backup quarterback has to be. Uh, four carries, 22 yards. Um, Terrible we'll mistake at the end. Oh, though. yeah, didn't, didn't uh, handle the uh, snap situation well, but... Um, you know, Mason Rudolph is. I mean, the people in the Steel City won't be mad when he, when he goes. I'll just say this. If they make that deal happen, I'll welcome Mason Rudolph. I think he would be a great backup. Unlike when there was a little hot rumor that Baker Mayfield was going to be a lion. Right. <laughs> Out. Nah, not a big fan of that. But listen. While we're talking about the Steel City, a little excitement there about Kenny Pickett, the hometown kid? You know what? I did run these highlights in uh, <laughs> on Local 4 this weekend of Kenny Pickett's debut. The town loves him. He's a Pitt product. His Pitt teammates were there. They let him come out and have his moment. And then he threw for two touchdowns. So maybe Kenny Pickett is the future after we get a bit Mitch Trubisky in there. See, that is the... Uh... The potential fly in the ointment, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, as a bear, certainly not that impressed. Clearly, they weren't either. He was such a highly touted guy. Maybe he was thrown to the wolves a little too soon. So you have Mitchell Trubisky start and protect Pickett a little bit. That's probably the way it's going to be, but there's also some under the impression that maybe six games in tops, Kenny Pickett will eventually be the starter. Maybe. We'll see how he... Impressive. Now, Mitchell Trubisky, if he played against the Lions, he'd be a pro bowler. 
I mean, he tore the Lions up. That's just yeah. the way I, I, I didn't get it. Yeah. Well, it was so frustrating. see what. Who's the quarterback for the Steelers on that last preseason game? Uh, Blake has informed us we've become re-engaged with our producer, Nick Roddy and Nicholas. Uh, what's going on there, fella? Yeah, I took the long way home um, from Indian Wood, Steve, after uh, oh. finishing a, a close second to uh, Team Marcero and Team Hall. We'll just say that. And? Team- I have no further. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. Your team wasn't involved in, in the uh, okay. tiebreaker. You're... I mean, who really knows who came in second place? Well, Are we here's about a scramble here. Yes, but, okay. you know. When you bring home a trophy, um, yes, we're talking about a scramble. All right. I showed my partner the uh, pictures. You brought uh, it in. Oh, okay. He showed me the picture. No, I, I didn't see it in person. Yeah. Uh, well, let me just say this. We won because you lost. <laughs> okay, now, moving on. Uh, I want to get everybody's in, input on episode one of Hard Knocks last Tuesday night as we're discussing your Detroit Lions, who will be in Indianapolis Saturday afternoon for preseason game number two. I just dig the way Hard Knocks is done. Okay, I knew it would be amazing, and it delivered. I loved it. Was there some schmaltzy stuff in there? A little bit. Cynical people might say that. A little bit. But look. Like Blake. Oh, oh here. Okay, oh, Blake. Here he we go. Go ahead. Go it ahead. Was a, it was a very, very good episode of Hard Knocks. I'm not hating on the episode whatsoever. I just want that but, prefaced. But the but, Aaron Glenn coaches, bat, that was, it was very corny. Look, I have someone my mind in my that. family who believes that little interaction between Staley and Glenn was a little staged. A little staged, and uh, is Schmaltzy the word? I don't know. Um, nothing but respect for both those fellas. I think Aaron Glenn uh, is a dynamic defensive coordinator. And maybe at the beginning of this season, until they get their legs, he's going to have to be. Um, we'll see. He's got to pump those guys up. It looked like some of the defensive tackles were being missed there. It was, it's, oh boy. Some footage there. Yeah. Made you go, uh oh. Was not complimentary. <laughs> right. Uh, but I'll tell you that Jamal Williams speech. Well, Ooh. okay. I, again, loved it. This guy has all this emotion. He's trying to pump up his team. That wasn't them last year. If you're cynical, then it's like, why are you crying for a speech before there's even one preseason game? Well, there's some people that just don't understand what a grind the National Football League is. And to take that a step further, how hard it is to win in the National Football League. And look, you're talking about a Lions team under then first-year head coach Dan Campbell. They were 3-13-1. and now, if you've ever competed in sport, I don't really give a damn which one it is. If you've lost and lost often, it's not fun. No. So you have to, like, stay a cohesive unit, and you have to keep going. And toward the end there, they were playing for Dan Campbell. Well, they finished 3-3 three and three over the last six. And with the exception of that Philadelphia game, and maybe one more. This team didn't quit. No. 
But sooner or later, whether it's the NFL or you name a sport, it comes down to talent. And there wasn't a whole lot of it. Right. And there's a little bit more. Does Do they have the horses to do what they want to do, what they're preaching? Probably not. But you got to believe. You can't all be haters and not believe. You got to go into that game believing. And I think this team does, and I think they're easy to root for. Well, you know, here's what I appreciate about Dan Campbell. Um, you know, again, some of the stuff that he's doing or attempting to do, is it is it a little outlandish, maybe? But when you see inside that Lions team room, last playoff win, last this, last this, last this. Um, and you're a player, you're looking at this saying, oh, man, it's been pretty slim pickings in yeah. Detroit lately. Oh, he's obviously a star of hard knocks. His speeches about how many butt cheeks and everything, you're still going to kick your butt. Like, it was right, really right. great. I also took away that he respects his players and the players respect him, which was not the case with the last regime and the last coach. So I think that was good to see. And he said to them, he's like, look, I know you could get injured in these practices being fully padded and going full throttle, but this is how I believe you will get better. And I think about you all the time. This is what I think. Yeah. And they were like, okay, let's go. You know, and then the Aiden Hutchinson thing, the Billy Jean. That was awesome. You know, uh, this is stuff that builds a team. Right. And, you know, when you're at the NFL level and now you've got three preseason games and then you start the regular season, you know, you look around you and the big question is, can I count on that dude that's sitting to my right and sitting to my left? Right. So I think what Dan Campbell is doing as far as, you know, building a team is so very important. Yeah. Because... One thing you can't deny, as a Lion, going into this season, you were 3-13-1 a year ago. There's nothing you can do about that. All you can do is have an effect on what goes on in this 2022 season. This is the best press that Lions have ever gotten nationally. I think it's great. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this hard knocks... I don't think there's any secret why there's some NFL teams that really want nothing to do it because it is somewhat. Uh, it is sort of revealing and it pulls the curtain back and maybe you don't want everyone to know. And there's cameras around right. everywhere. Right. You know, it's a distraction. It, it has to be. Right. Because then on Wednesday morning, all the questions are about hard knocks to these guys. Right. So, you know, it is what it is, but... Um, you know, Lions were getting some great national press long before training camp started based on Brad Holmes' drafts and the talent that they brought in and some of the holes they filled. Now you look at the offensive line, I think it's going to be one of the top three. I know a lot of people say top five. I say top three in the league if they remain healthy. Which, which by the way, Kyle Meinke tweeted that Vitae left practice, the right guard. Oh. But Seriously. he had no information, and we, and we won't know until Saturday. All right. Well, again, your uh, Lions preseason game number two in Indianapolis against the Colts. That'll be Saturday afternoon. Uh, college football, who's in? The AP Top 25 preseason poll is out. We'll talk about that 
as we continue here on the WJR Sportsbook. All right, so here we are, August 15th. And as if you weren't ready for football before today, the AP Top 25 has been released preseason style there, partner. And during the break, you were saying, eh, pretty much the same names at the top. It's just so boring sometimes to look at these, like, polls. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, blah, blah, blah. Well, for the ninth time, uh, Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide find themselves at numero uno. And I'm going to point out, that uh, last year the Crimson Tide went 13 and two overall, uh, seven and one in SEC play, and Nick Saban said it was a rebuild year. <laughs> Why aren't we having those kind of rebuilds here? How come the Tigers can't rebuild it? <laughs> yeah. Something like that pace, huh? Uh, Ohio State number two, defending national champion Georgia number three, Clemson disappointing season a year ago. Polster's got him at four. The Fighting Irish Notre at number Dame, five. Always highly ranked. Uh, my Spartans, let's just cut to the chase, uh, at number 15th. Sparty opening up on Friday night, September 2nd, 7 o'clock kick, playing host to the Western Michigan Broncos. Um, always a, well, it's become tradition, uh, teeing it up on the Friday night going into Labor Day weekend. So the Broncos will be in the deep end. Uh, Michigan. They are number eight. Number eight. They will open up on Saturday, September 3rd, noon kick at the big house against Colorado State. I'm excited for our two program. I mean, there are more programs, of course, Wayne State, Central, all that. But oh, yeah. I'm excited for local college football. Uh, I'm just taking a quick look here. As far as the top 25, the future Big Ten participants, USC. At number 14, uh, UCLA did not make the cut. Although Oregon, from what I understand, still has hope of becoming a member of the Big Ten. They are in number 11. That's going to be interesting. Uh, you think, uh, Nikki, you think the Big Ten is done? Or you still think they're waiting for Notre Dame? I think they're done for, I mean, the next calendar year. Um, but obviously Notre Dame is their top priority. They're they're not done though. How long are they gonna wait on Notre Dame? As I mean long they, as Notre they, Dame they, drags yeah, their feet. Long, yeah, how long is this when did Nebraska and Rutgers come to the Big Ten? It's taken a while. These things I don't know we've always talked about these super conferences coming to college football. I don't think they're coming in the next four years, but maybe maybe after that. Blake, your thoughts? It all depends on Notre Dame's next TV deal, which I think it, they are eligible to resign next year or the year after. And if they get another bag from NBC, they will stay independent. Well, this is where the plot thickens, though, lad, because all of a sudden NBC has the Big Ten. ESPN is oot. Yes. So it's NBC, CBS, and uh, Fox with the uh, Big Ten Conference games. Is this a precursor of things to come for Notre Dame jumping on board that Big Ten? It's very possible. I Geographically, mean, it makes all the sense in the world right. for Notre Dame 
to jump in the Big Ten. They're in the middle of Big Ten country. Yeah, but now we've seen ge- uh, geography doesn't really matter. To no, not at all. Obviously, so. with UCLA and USC uh, doing what they did, and perhaps Oregon, Stanford, uh, some other teams down the road. But, you know, is it going to get to a point where Notre Dame, despite the garbage deal they have with the ACC as an independent, are they going to have to make a decision or potentially, as it comes to national championships and what have you, be on the outside looking in? I think their hand will be forced because these super conferences will pop up and they don't want to be left out. And here's a question for the group. The NCAA, which I've been saying this for years, is an archaic organization that should have been blown up years ago and maybe rebuilt because we're talking about these two potential super conferences. Should it get to that point, and I think it is, they'll govern themselves. Right. Now, when the NCAA came out and said, hey, you can you can jump in the transfer portal as often as you'd like. That cheesed off a lot of coaches. Yes. Football, basketball, don't matter. That was stupid and reckless. Yes, but like I see both sides on that issue all the time because coaches can go willy-nilly wherever they want, and these kids commit to the coach, and then the coach leaves. They should be able to go. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, there was a point in time, really, when you think about it, not all that long ago, that high school kids were recruited. They committed to a program. Now the commitment aspect it's doesn't mean anything. Yeah, Because uh, back in the day, and you brought it up, James, back in the day, the only reason you could really get out of a commitment was if the coach that recruited you took off. And we know that happens. It doesn't happen every year. Coaches don't leave to go to a school, stay there a year, leave again. It doesn't happen. Right. So if you didn't think that there was free agency, and let's just focus on college football because we're knocking on the door of another season. If you didn't think that there was free agency in college football, you better think again because that's exactly what's happening right now. That's what it is. Yeah. So now kids aren't really being recruited because you can just go to the portal and get someone who's already a junior. Absolutely correct. Uh, there's a uh, sales guy on staff here at WJR who's been a high school assistant coach for a long, long time at a very prominent program. And uh, are these kids still being recruited? Yes, to the degree they were pre-portal. No. Right. Because I know for a fact, Michigan State, other D1 football programs, they have a college scouting department. Mel Tucker told me, Last December, 5,000 names Yeah, they in the have portal. some guy that just watches the names. Who can help refresh, us? Refresh, refresh, refresh. Right. Who can help us? So that means maybe the energy that you're spending on recruiting top-shelf high school kids because you bring them in, they've got a season, and whatnot, or you portal, find a dude that's got experience that can help you now. It's interesting. There's a little bit of the grass is always greener, too. If the kid comes in and doesn't think they have enough playing time, 
Well, I'm just going to transfer. I'm going to go somewhere else. That's another thing. And uh, I think this is, they've opened up a real Pandora's box. Well, that's trickled down all the way to high school athletics now, too. I mean, it's not just college anymore. I mean, there's high school players who will go to four different high schools in four years. Well, Nick, you're well connected. Uh, uh, being a high school coach, uh, you've got uh, friends who've coached for a number of years at elite programs. Um, what's the solution? Because there's a chance, I think, that that only gets worse, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there really is a solution because you go to a public school and then you go to a private school and you're allowed to do that because, you, I mean, it's not like you have to move to a district to go to a private school and then Maybe you move and go to another public school and then you go to a prep school and they're all playing by different rules. So it's, it's hard to say how you fix it. And I don't, I don't know if you can. Well, I think it's uh it's a done deal right now. And I know Tom Izzo, when the NCAA came out and said that you can transfer, he hates it. Well, it's, it's stupid. And by the way, T.I., congrats on the uh, new deal. Two million bucks more a year. Congrats. Well, you know what? And, uh, Face of the university has been for a while. And I think the good news is uh, because we've had conversations that, you know, with NIL, with the uh, portal, uh, it's going to force a lot of good coaches to burn out. And, yeah. you know, because I don't want to deal with this. I, I, I just don't want to deal with it. Right. And uh, that he signed a five year uh, redo, I think is great news. Yep. Spartan so. for life. He said that 12 uh, years ago. But, you know, as we anxiously await another college football season. There's a lot of balls in the air right now. And uh, it is what it is. Um, get used to it. Uh, you know, how this two-super conference thing pans out in the not-too-distant future, we're just going to have to wait and see. Right. So I, It's just so weird because it's not about the school anymore, the degree you're going to get. It's just like the team you're playing for. And if you play three years, maybe, then you go to the NFL. Well, remember the... Uh, the uh, the old uh, standby. They're getting a re- they're getting an education, <laughs> right? Yeah, doesn't really matter anymore, huh? Mm-mm. All right, folks, uh, stick around. You know, I guess uh, winning the March of Dimes Golf Classic on the old course today with my teammates, <laughs> I do kind of feel. I know how Will Zalatoris is feeling. Oh my today. gosh, I was just going to say, what are you, Will Zalatoris? Well, you know. <laughs> Got a couple of wins under our belts. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, golf world uh, in some crazy stuff going on for sure. Leave it here. It's the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. Indeed, congratulations in order for Will Zalatoris. Young fella had been the runner-up four previous times. Three of those majors, by the way. He gets his first PGA Tour win uh, at the FedEx St. Jude. Uh, finishes 15-under, as did Sepp Straka, goes to the uh, playoff on the third hole, the par-3 11th. Nothing but good viewing. Just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. He hits his shot, his tee shot, and it bounces seven times and comes to a rest on the rocks right before the water. And then Sepp hits his in the water. Now, here's what I don't understand. Because it just looks like, I don't know much about Sepp Straka. He another Georgia Bulldog. They've had a lot of success on tour. Um, and far be it from me to question a tour player, but you saw Zalatoris come up short. You knew he was in trouble. 
at the very least. Balls sitting on rocks and, you know, don't you club down and just get it in the middle of the green? That's all he had to do. Right. All he had to do. And uh, he goes in. So then they show Zalatoris and his caddy going to look at that mess of a shot. And I was hoping that they would have asked him, how close were you to giving that shot a go? I think close because it took him a long time to make a decision to take an unplayable. Well, and I'm thinking he might give this a whirl. But how the heck could he have stood there and hit a ball? His leg would have been in the water. Well, and I think either that ball, he just didn't have enough to get a uh, the, the club face on it. So it was either going to go backwards or he was going to embed it into the hedge in front of him. So he ends up playing in the unplayable. He's still 94 So up. now they're equal again because he takes the unplayable. Right. Yeah. Right. And for him, with everything on the line, to hit it like he did was unbelievable. Yeah, and Sepp hit his in the bunker from the drop zone. Yeah, and you're thinking, man. Uh, it felt like real people golf. But, you know, the thing about Zalatoris, you know, there there was some people, a lot of people, questioning his putting ability. Now, all of a sudden, this kid uh, considers himself to be one of the best putters in the world. And after some of the major, major putts he made down the stretch. Well, on 18. Uh, right. In regulation. Mm-hmm. How can you argue it? I think it's funny that Adam Sandler congratulated him because, like I said before, this kid looks like the caddy from Happy Gilmore. Well, uh, he takes home 2.7 mil. Not a bad deal for Sepp Straka. He gets 1.635 mil. Uh, Interesting news here, as it turns out, Cam Smith, uh, who has, uh, you know, built himself quite a resume, he has withdrawn from the upcoming BMW championship, and we all know what the conversation has been about him. He's going. You know, I was reading, uh, you know, uh, some light reading yesterday. Uh, Some Australian golf writers are just calling him out. If he goes to the live, he will suffer irreparable reputational damage. Will he? He's exempt now, right, from the British Open, the Open Championship. Yeah. So he still gets to play in majors. Well, I don't know. I don't know how the RNA is going to rule on live players moving forward. That's true. That could change. Uh, I don't think if you're a live guy that you're going to be playing at Augusta, I don't think the Masters is going to have it. I don't either, but nothing has been decided yet. Well, and here's the thing. Cam Smith, from what I understand is going to leave for about $140 million. Now, again, I'm not poo-pooing $140 million. But I think over the last couple of weeks, and especially with last week's court ruling, where the judge basically said, look, you live guys, basi- well, you basically made your bed, now you got to lie in it. And they can't play in the playoffs. And if the majors make those same decisions, then I think... You know, what are they playing for then? Well, and I think it's dawning on a lot of people, Jane, that 
what the Liv has got going on right now is nothing but a an unadulterated exhibition. Yeah, 54 holes against not the top talent in the world. And the last place guy is going to win a million dollars, and they're going to shotgun this thing, and they're going to play 54 holes, and there is nothing going on except... Lots oh, and lots of money. Right. Yeah. And because we just, you can't do the be a captain of the Ryder Cup. Like, there are a lot of restrictions if you go do this. Well, and, uh, you know, if, if you made the conscientious decision to join the Live Tour, that's your business. But you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Right. And I think uh, Jay Monahan, the, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, is trying his darndest to make it a little bit more lucrative to show, look, I don't think they can come near the Live Tour money, obviously, with the Saudis involved, but... Um, we're going to make it well worth your while. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, but, if the competition pu- pushed the PGA to give them a little bit more money, then the competition was good for some players. Well, and, uh, you know, you have the stalwarts, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, um, Billy Horschel, guys of this nature that are beating the PGA Tour drum. And uh, then you've got Henrik Stenson, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity mm-hmm. to captain the European team. Uh, at the Ryder Cup, and he decides he took the money. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, sadly, we are out of time. Hey, Nick, I was glad you were there to see me win the championship. <laughs> uh, Blake, always a pleasure. James? Nice to see you. Do it again next week. Okay. And thank you very much to Soaring Eagle, and thank you for listening to WJR.